So like I was saying, the children will be here with us this morning. Um, so I'm actually going to try to keep the sermon shorter. Um, I was going to teach something else. And then this morning, as I was getting ready to leave, I felt the Lord put something on my heart. And um, he had reminded me of the Old Testament and how the Lord told the Israelites to start their new year. And most of it was um, starting their new year, giving sacrifices to the Lord. Not because the Lord was like, listen, I just want to put a whole bunch of burden on you. But more like the Lord wanted them to somberly think of the year they had just left and to think about their new year. And I do believe that in Jesus Christ, we can rejoice. And, uh, but I think really in our culture, uh, we just, um, we just, you know, like to make a lot of noise and go, ah, happy new year. Eh, great. I hope your next year, I hope 2023 is all blessing for you, you know, and that's really what we do. But like what they did in Israel was they looked back on their year and they asked for forgiveness, you know, and I find something about that very sobering. And I think it, it goes hand in hand with what I've learned of Joshua over these last, you know, we're, we're in Joshua 11 now and something Joshua did that we are scared to do is to look back and view our failure and say, Lord, forgive me for that. That was me. Forgive me, you know, and to, to own up to it and to say, Lord Jesus, you offer me free forgiveness, but don't let me be the type of person that doesn't come for forgiveness when it's open and free. You know, the type of person that, that just forgets what they've done. And then not only to say, oh, look, I messed up. Sorry about that. But to repent, to say, and that repentance is really like the, the ability to, to bring it to the Lord and to say, I don't want to walk in those ways anymore. I want to walk your way. I want to walk with you. So, um, you know, it reminded me of this portion in James that when I read it, I kind of shudder a little bit. I think to myself, ooh, <laughs> why'd you write that, James? You know, but I know why he wrote it because it's the way that we actually need to repent. So it's James 4. And, um, and this isn't the only scripture for today. So don't, you know, don't get your tissues out and just start crying. And oh, Dave just beat us up today with the scripture, you know. So uh, James 4, verses 6 through 10. And it says, and he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. See, what it doesn't say in the text is humble yourself so that God can crush you under his foot. You know what David found out before almost everybody else? That God loves a humble heart, right? That he lifts up that humble heart in honor. 
that when Jesus told the parable of the, the uh, Pharisee in the front and the tax collector in the back and the, and the tax collector in the back just keeps saying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Right? And then the Pharisee in the front, he sounds like he's pretty genuine and grateful. He says, Lord, thanks for not making me like that sinner. Right? That's not the heart the Lord wants. The heart the Lord wants is says, Lord, I mess up. Forgive me. Forgive me. Help me with my mess ups. Lord, help me to not do that anymore. Lord, clean me. Cleanse me. Right? That's what Jesus does. He cleanses us. I talk about this, this one scripture all the time. 1 John 1 verse 9. It tells us that we can freely come to Jesus because he is so good that he will clean us of all our dirtiness, clean us of all of our, our unrighteousness, and he'll make us new. And we have free access to that. I don't know about you guys, but how many of you guys, you don't have to raise your hand. How many of you guys own a vehicle? You own a car, right? Now, I'm the type of person that loves to wash my car, but I never get around to washing my car. Do you understand what I mean? Like, there are too many other things to do in life than just wash my car all the time. Though I wish I could wash my car all the time. And I've had cars where, like, I love the car, but after a while, it is looking so dirty, I start to think I need a new car, <laughs> right? And you look out there and you look at it and you're thinking, wow, this car's beat, you know? Like, and then you wash it, and it renews it, and you're just like, oh, my car's not that bad. <laughs> I like him again, all right? Our lives are like that sometimes. We have, like, free access to wash our lives, to come to Jesus anytime, though we forget. And then we just live with all this guilt on us instead of just coming to Jesus and say, wash me clean. Have mercy on me, a sinner, Right? God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What did David say? Lord, a broken and contrite heart, you will not despise, right? So when you come broken, not broken like you can't do anything, but a brokenness that means now you are malleable. Now you are moldable, right? Right? I always think of the picture, like the word there, that brokenness speaks of a, a building block or like, let's say, uh, making something that you can now build with. Have you ever built with stone before? I've watched uh, stone masons before, right? And they're chipping a humongous stone and they're getting stone blocks out of it. And they're making that stone, that huge stone that just sat out in a field, usable to become a house right? We are living stones in God's temple. He is shaping us so that we could be useful. He's shaping us. Or I think of it this way. Listen, like, uh, and, and I've used this before and I've said, hey, you know, like horses, like back in the day, or sometimes here in England, you could go to places, right? And they have wild ponies, you ever, see, you ever been places like that? Like the New Forest or places like that? They have wild horses. 
and, and they are majestic. But can I tell you something? Those wild horses for work are useless, all right? They don't plow fields. They don't work for a master. They just run around and eat people's crops. That's what they do. Without being broken for the Lord, that's us. We're useless. Without saying, Lord, use me, fashion me, however you want it. We are just beautiful Mustangs out, you know, on the horizon, eating the Lord's goods, not doing anything for him. But once he breaks us and once he begins to discipline us and once we begin to read his word and follow in what he's saying, then we become useful for the master's work. We actually become like those old horses that could plow fields and were good for years. And the Lord can strengthen us as we work for him. Strong and fervent, right? Vigorously. But we have to come to him. We have to humble ourselves. And then we don't leave it there. Something that's awesome in Jesus is that when we humble ourselves, you know, it's darkest before dawn, right? So when we humble ourselves and then when he cleanses us, it's just like salvation. He asks us to come, to humble ourselves, to say, Lord, I need you. I need you, right? That doesn't stop. I was saying to my daughters last night, listen, um, in God's classroom, class is always in session and nobody graduates. It might sound horrible, but it's also a breath of fresh air, right? That I'm in God's classroom and so is my youngest daughter. <laughs> and daddy hasn't graduated and daddy isn't perfect and daddy will never be perfect until he meets Jesus. When Jesus brings me into perfection. Now, that may be against some of your guys' theology. Some of you guys may think you could reach perfection here on earth. I'll be watching. <laughs> now, do I think he can make us sin less and less? Yeah, I do. I really do. But I think we will meet perfection when we are in glory, when we meet our perfect author and perfecter of our faith. He will renew us and make us into those immortal beings that we need to, that we were meant to be, you know, but, um, we can rejoice and, um, you know, scripture tells us that. So I think the first thing that we would want to do is to repent and own up to who we are, even specific things. And the second thing that we would want to do is we would want to listen to what Paul writes in Philippians 4, beginning in verse 4. It says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. And that worry is uh, comes from the Greek word that means chokes. Don't let this worry choke you. Don't be choked by the things that keep you up at night. Don't let them keep you up at night. Hand them to the Savior. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. In the Old English, it would be supplication to pour out your heart. 
So don't let worry strangle you. Instead, pour out your heart before the Lord. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Again, gratefulness. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So he's like, what I'm trying to say is you repent and then you rejoice because you know that your repentance and your bringing it to the Lord has been answered. He washes us clean and then we can rejoice in him. We are clean and not on our own work. Somebody else has done it, right? It's like getting gifts, right? Did you have to buy all your Christmas gifts this year? Yourself personally, you have to buy them all? That's a sorry life, <laughs> right? I got some Christmas gifts I didn't pay for. How awesome is that, right? Hey, one of my favorite ones, my wife bought me Nike Vapor Maxes, right? Like these really cool shoes that I like, right? She bought them for me. I didn't spend the, you know, 50p on them. Not only did I get a great gift, I didn't buy them. <laughs> and that's how it is for salvation. We got the greatest gift in the world, and I didn't have to buy it. I had to do nothing except repent and say that I need it. Who needs these million pounds, right? We'd be like, I need a million pounds. I could definitely need that, right? I could use it all day. We wouldn't be ashamed of that if somebody was like sitting there and saying, oh, I have this extra two billion pounds. Uh, does anybody need it here? Anybody want it? Who would not raise their hand? Who would say, oh, I'm too ashamed. You know, be ashamed. I'm going to be two billion pounds richer. <laughs> be ashamed all day. I don't care. So why are we ashamed when it's salvation or when we're told to come freely to the Lord to repent? Why are we reluctant? I'm not saying shame on you. I'm saying as humans, why are we reluctant when the greatest gift is opened up to us? Shouldn't we just go and get it? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done. And then we can rejoice about the free gift that we have. The free gift. You know, it's even told to us in the Psalms to, um, to rejoice in the day that the Lord has made. And today is that day. The first day of a new year, right? This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Psalm 118 verse 24. This is the day the Lord has made. We can rejoice and be glad in it because we are right with God 